You're listening to Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries. Because no good podcast starts with a salad. Hello, lover. Hello, darling. And we are back again. Here we are. <laughs> it's been a minute. I've I know missed we've you guys. said that once or twice before. <laughs> we did miss you guys and the act of recording these episodes so much. Jump into the spirit? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very excited about this particular spirit because it is a gift from my beautiful lover here. Oh. I believe it was my birthday. I think so. so. It's been a while. Sitting there <laughs> calling to us. Wipe the dust off this. It's been sitting on that uh, shelf. shelf here for quite some time. Might be. Little dust on the bottle. Yes, there might. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what we have here is the Sexton Single Malt Irish whiskey distilled in copper pots, which is awesome. It's yeah. like a Moscow mule of Irish whiskey. I've never actually heard of that before. They're always Maybe. bragging about oak barrels yeah. and different, you know, woods. But I'm I'm very curious, and I know already that we love Irish whiskey. This one looks very very unique. It also has a pretty unique story on the side of the bottle here. It's a little hard to see in the lighting of our podcast room but i'm gonna try to read this to you guys it says up in the cold gray northern reaches of county antrim the sextons tend to the spirits digging the fresh graves of the river rush graveyard and planting stone crosses in the soft mowed grass show up just before dawn when the dew is glistening on the headstones and you'll catch the cool morning breeze carrying the fresh scent of unmistakable oak from a breathing cask Follow that scent into the crypt, and you might find a locked door. Faintly glowing through its edges through that door, find the rose-beckoning European oak. Once the sacramental casks find sherry now brimming with aqua vitae, you see the sexton in the spiritual trade and whiskey in their favorite spirit. That sounds really cool. It's also very, very hard to read. Our room is so dark, and if I add light to the bottle, then... It glistens, like, weirdly. I'll, I'll try to and take a picture. And uh, it's, you know, like, kind of a tongue twister. And it's kind of a tongue twister. if you were an old Irishman, you'd be able to, like... I wish, you know what, we have it. to get an Irishman to read this bottle <laughs> so it sounds cooler. I, I was so excited about this. I'll be honest. We tried to read this bottle, like, nine times now. <laughs> And I keep like, uh, no, it's got to be, it's got to be read better. And it, like, there has to be a rhythm to it that we're not getting. There's a rhythm. It, they also write with like really big words and then really little words. And then it's like curved. We'll show you a picture of the bottle. But most importantly, above all else, it is just impossible to see. I've got light. I'm shining on it. And then it makes it like huh. reflect. Yeah. And then, anywho, we're going to taste this and, and see yeah, how amazing crack, it tastes. Crack that sucker open it's great that it says good stuff but come on yeah any irishman out there we're gonna send you a picture of this if you could record yourself reading it in a cool irish voice or if you just have a good irish accent like we definitely want to uh put that on the next episode so calling out to all irishmen 
Oh, you hear that pop? That was it good. did. It was a nice pop. Oh, oh. yeah. We have our, our Sexton glasses here, which I'm I got them, the, you know, the, the set. Pass this bottle over. Normally, I'd pour that for you, but I can't <laughs> reach that far across the room. I would be concerned if your arms were that long. Oh, definitely, definitely smells like Irish whiskey. Definitely has the distinct Irish whiskey smell. Ooh, I'm so excited about this. I've been staring at this bottle for <laughs> going on six-ish months, and I'm just itching to try it. Now, if it's terrible, I'm going to be so disappointed. Oh, well, it smells fantastic, <laughs> it so smells I don't think fantastic. that it's going to be bad. It's like uh, me with my uh, Snoop Dogg Kelly wine. Cheers, my love. Cheers, my love. I am oh very no, happy it's with very, that. very, very good. It's sweet, but still has that Irish burn. Yeah, that, that is the part that just like sells mm-hmm. all Irish whiskeys that I just love so much. I wish I knew better describing words. I'm not that. Yeah, it's funny that we do that almost on our like podcast, a, but yeah, almost like a tobacco-y flavor with it. Oh yes, and uh, hints mm. of burnt tire. Is that- <laughs> it's not wine. <laughs> <laughs> I love those descriptors. Hmm, bark from a... Hmm, I can tell that the person who made this washed his hands with dove soap. (laughs) (laughs) And gently farted off in the distance. (laughs) It's good. That's the kind of uh, descriptors I like to say about it. If you like Irish whiskey, highly recommend. Yes. And it's a cool bottle, so that that helps. And I'm pretty sure you you are supposed to judge liquor by its bottle, correct? Obviously. Just like a book. Right. By the cover. Come on. Bottle. And cool cups that come cool with it. Cool cups, yeah. right? There's like skeletons and shit. Carriages. Skeleton horses. I mean, can't get any cooler than that. We're all about like skulls, especially in the podcast room here. So <laughs> we have quite a few of them. I believe you have a glowing skull over by you now. I do. It's my, uh, it's next to my Harley Quinn uh, Funko doll. Harley- I did not know what a Funko doll was. So yeah, that's what I was yeah, yeah. little like... You'll have to put a picture of that up if people do not know what a Funko doll is. I might, I might be calling it the wrong thing. Small, oh, square, no, like Hawaii, hacky sack looking thing. No, it's a Hawaii cube. I thought it was a Funko doll, but it's a Hawaii cube. But I love her. She's a little Harley Quinn. She just chills with Say her. the right thing. They might be our future... Uh... Hey, you know what? That was my bad. <laughs> well, um, before we get too distracted, I did have a couple pre-topics. Nice. Um, covered our liquor of the day. Because I stumbled upon two things, and both of them blew my mind, so I had to kind of bring those up. I'm excited. I don't have any pre-topics today. <laughs> I just have like a, another one of my fun mind-bender topics to uh, break everybody's brain, I think. Well, we'll see. It's probably for the best, because I got a lot of stuff to say today. All right. Well, what, what is your pre-topic topic? <laughs> well, one of them is, have you heard of a little band called 30 Seconds to Mars? I want to say yes. I'm bad with names. All right. I'd have to hear you sing a song for us, would you? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) But (laughs) they're very, very popular. You would know their songs. But Jared Leto is the lead singer of this band. He's also in like Fight Club and like a bunch of movies. He's an actor and he has a band? Yeah. He's like all over the place. All right. And has um, what some people might say a cult following. And when he was on a talk show, they said such things. And he was like, yeah, you could say it's a cult. Interesting. Well. Weird way to respond to that. 
he started changing his appearance and has now taken on a Christ-like appearance. Oh, no. And actually, what started off as kind of a response in a joking manner, he, he actually has started a cult. Oh, my God. All right. So he's like, yeah, you could say I have a cult file. That's a great idea. I should start a cult. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's crazy. But his followers call them the, I think it's pronounced Elkion. It's E-C-H-E-L-O-N. All right. Elkion. Elkion. And they all claim that it's not a cult. Well, most people who are in a cult say that their cult is not a cult. It's the people on the outside that look in and they're like, y'all calling yourselves Jennifers and uh, wearing the same clothes and and being all cult-like. Kind of like, meh, don't know how I feel about this, but... What was that from? Was that the Simpsons that did the the Jennifers? Uh, Episode of something. I don't know. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. You guys let us know. I think it was The Simpsons. It could have been something else. Maybe Family Guy. I don't know. But he he decided to get an island. And he called As it. As all good cult leaders should. No, no, no. They're not a cult. Depending on who you ask. Him. Anybody but him. Or no, I guess he thinks it's a cult. <laughs> he He's like, yeah, it's a cult. Followers, it's not a cult. Um, yeah, we follow him. But I'll give you a quick little uh, little view here, my love. And you tell me what you think. This is him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy uh, definitely thinks he's Jesus. Mars Island. And all of the people who pay to go there. We are definitely posting this. uh, Oh, yeah, that's a cult. Have to wear white the entire time that they're there. Where's the uh, punch bowl? Well, that's they're like, it's not a cult. Nobody's committed suicide. I'm like, yeah. Is that what makes it a cult? Like, you (laughs) have to die? (laughs) That's just what his followers say. So He, like, literally takes the bottle of punch. He's like, yeah, nothing to see here. Hide that behind my back. (laughs) No, I mean, it is. We got to wait a few more weeks before we introduce (laughs) the Kool-Aid. So, I mean, like, if we got any diehard um, Elkeons out there, sorry, but. No, no, no. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you are an Elkion, yeah, please no, uh, reach right. out to us. We will have you on the show. Um, and we won't call it a cult. I am we very will. intrigued. But I mean, y'all drop a pretty penny to go join this cult. And it's only a, um, I think it was a three or four day a year. And sadly, it was it was canceled this year. Oh, poor pandemic people! Like, I know losing their cult activities. But if you would like to go to Mars Island um, in Croatia, and are we sponsoring them? <laughs> no. <but laughs> are are we getting know. a kickback off of these people joining the cult? Like, no. what are you doing here? <laughs> I I was intrigued by this. Get this to do this. You can start with your basic package for $2,000. Do not try this at home, people. Do not try this at home. Do not go visit the cult, and especially for $2,000. But if you really want the full-on package and you want to isolate yourself there with music and yoga and relaxation with Leto, who now his followers are calling The Prophet, of you course can pay there. a $8,000 trip fee. Well, if you're going to go, go right. I want the full experience of cultiness. But yeah, so they all just go out and spread his message after they spend their time there. And uh, while you're there, you can also get a um, not a cult cult tattoo. You have two <laughs> not a options. cult cult tattoo. I like it. All right, you can get either a smiley face, 
or a triangle, and both of them represent the Nauticult cult. Is it like it's a Pink a, Floyd and Nirvana we got going on here? We got <laughs> no, the prism and the... Too. Does he have the little X's for oh, eyes? No, he does not. <laughs> Isn't that a... Wait, there was a serial killer that left a smiley face on like Scrubs, not Scrubs, uh, Psych or... You know what? Well, what show was that? I oh. don't know what show that was. Bones. But there's a real life serial killer who did that. And I'm covering him today. Oh, really? Oh, so I might have had a little bit of connection when I found that. Nice. <laughs> um, I did have one other crazy weird thing. I found out about an artist. His name is Morton uh, Viscom. And he actually paints with severed hands. Like, like the stump like, of the severed hand? Like, like a hand. <laughs> is it blood? He's no, right? no, no. Like he buys severed hands. And then uses them and as a uses paintbrush? them as like finger painting and sells his paintings for millions of dollars. Where um, does he buy severed hands? Uh, I've recently come to the conclusion or found out that it is illegal to sell body parts. Yes. So. In the United States. But uh, he is, um, well, I want to say that he's Russian. Oh, in Russia, that's completely acceptable. Oh. And uh, <laughs> um, I just came across that, but I will share the link on our Facebook group. Just like I found it on Cult of Weird and I didn't give it too much of a gander. I'm going to dive deeper into it and just kind of see it. But I thought it was worth mentioning that there's someone out there painting finger paintings with, you know, someone's dead hand. Yeah, so uh, you'll you'll see all these amazing pictures and our uh, sex and liquor here at Spirits Oddities and Spirits Oddities and Mysteries group or Spirits Oddities and Mysteries page or on, on Facebook, my Instagram, or on Instagram Spirits Oddities and Mysteries. Unless I accidentally put it on my personal one, and then it'll be up when I realize that I make the mistake because I've done that a couple times. All right. <laughs> But I think I will dive in with both feet unless you have anything else. I am ready. Let's hear your topic, lover. All right. Like I said, I might be talking about the happy face killer. All right. I have heard of this guy. All right. Maybe that's what I was thinking of when I said a TV show. (laughs) Well, not to be. They did do this on a TV show, right? Like, am I crazy here? I swear one of our shows we watched. I think Psych had it. What was it psych? I think it was psych. And it was like, dun, dun, dun. Every time a little smiley face was left behind for no, him. No, uh, maybe that too. But there was another one that was a little bit know. more serious about it. Like a Bones or CSI or maybe all of them. Because they all have. had the same writers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hmm. It was like you saw one episode and then like every version of, uh, of that crime, crime show. shows had the same topic. Like, a stripper was found outside of a strip club murdered by a staff. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but they had it on all of them. Like, they just ran the same scenario. And they're like, no, no, no. This is forensic. This is CSI. Yeah. This is... You get to see how the different crime shows would solve the same... Exactly. Uh, scenario. Yeah. Although I thought you were going to come up with a little bit more unique Yeah, I did too. Yeah, a stripper I, like, got killed with a staff. I don't I was, know. Come on now. <laughs> I have no idea. Improv is not your thing. It's not at all. Sometimes I'm on point, sometimes I'm not. Tonight (laughs) I am not. Uh, But I will jump in. All right. So the Happy Face Killer. To start off, the night of January 21st, 1990 in Portland, Oregon, 23-year-old Tanya Bennett was at a bar drinking when she decided to leave the bar, possibly, with one of the men that she had met that night. I say possibly because, you know what? That's what we think is going on so far. 
And being very outgoing, she often did this. She made new friends and went home with people and did her thing, which kind of was known by her friends. So when she didn't come home, her family reached out to the police department, made a report, and sadly she was found on the 23rd in Columbia, Georgia, but she had no purse or ID, and she was listed as a Jane Doe. Her body had been dragged and dumped. Her jeans were missing a chunk of fabric where the like zipper button area would be. Okay. Like ripped off? Cut off. Cut off? Oh, so like it was like, cut off. Like a rectangle around the... A deliberate removal. It was a deliberate, it. yes. And after they did her autopsy... Uh, there was very little evidence to kind of point the detectives on who she was, who had killed her. So they went public on the news, and her mother came forward saying that her daughter fit the description, and the clothing that they posted pictures of was actually her daughter's. Ugh! Yeah. Nope. Um... There was a couple weeks went by and nobody really could figure out who this, you know, killer was or what really had happened. However, um, there was a anonymous tip that came in. They like kind of heard it, but they were like, well, what are we going on? And they really, that was it. Well, February 5th of 1990, Laverne Palvinek came forward saying her boyfriend was the one who had killed and raped Tanya Bennett. First, she told the police that she had overheard somebody telling what he had done to them. Like, Yeah, I'm vaguely remembering a lot of this. I know what you're talking about, yeah. And uh, she, she did know a lot of what had happened in general. However... The police said it was all kind of circumstantial, so they couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, she... It was ex-girlfriend, you said, right? Ex-girlfriend is, came forward and said... No, this is just a random woman who said that her boyfriend did it. Her ex-boyfriend, or was it her current it was boyfriend? Her, her current, current boyfriend? boyfriend, okay. Yeah. While everything was circumstantial, she just said that he did it, and he said it where she could hear it, so they really couldn't do anything about it. Hearsay. Yes, that one. Well, she came forward and she provided a clipping of the zipper and button of jeans. What? I might be mixing up these cases because I don't remember that. I, I would say there was another one where like an ex-girlfriend came forward and said like, oh, that was my ex-boyfriend. But it didn't go anywhere because she was like, they assumed she was just trying to nah. screw over an ex. But really, she, she had some information had and nobody yeah. would listen. Well, she came forward with this piece of denim and the court even with the the scrap of jeans that she brought when they went to trial she changed her story because she's they they said that there wasn't enough evidence to pin it on him with this come on we were just talking about csi they couldn't like match the fabrics i, and, I mean even not being 1990 but still look even not being csi level crazy there's different thread patterns right right so you'd be able to match the thread pattern if they fit together that is evidence well 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 all right she actually decided to change her entire story he didn't tell somebody else and she overheard it she helped 
hold the girl down. He raped her and she helped kill him by strangling her with a electric cord. Helped her kill him. Helped helped him her. kill her. There yes. we go. Yeah. Ah. All right. And so then by doing this, she was like, okay, I want, like, I don't want to go to jail. I'm giving you the real story. You're well, supposed to say that first. Yeah. <laughs> she, she like, she, she already admitted everything. <laughs> she didn't know that. Um, so then when it went to actual, like, then they came to him. Well, he thought he was going to get the death penalty. So he changed his claim from being innocent to uh, guilty. And he was uh, sentenced to life while uh, Laverne got 10 years, which is a lot more than she thought that she was going to get when this whole thing started. Well, yeah, she thought like, I told you all this now. Give me a plea bargain and uh, right. immunity here. I didn't. It was like, no, I have information. I'll tell it to you. But no. first, I want a nah. immunity clause in here. But soon after this trial kind of went public, a public bathroom at a truck stop in Montana had a letter written on the bathroom stall with a confession to her murder. And they claimed to have proof. And it was signed with only a smiley face. But since they had already arrested her killers, they ignored it. What? So this chick just had, like, lied? Yep. Little did the police know that this was the work of a real serial killer. And this will snowball out of control as the rest of my contribution to this episode goes forward. Because she was in an abusive relationship and wanted out, but she couldn't find a way. So she tried to get him arrested and she faked the evidence. But I'm so, like, pissed off at our 1990s detective work here. Well, that should have been easily verifiable. held up a picture of the jeans with the cut-out spot, so she just found a pair of right. jeans. And but what I'm saying is think. you could put those two together, and if they match or they don't. And, like, look, literally, if she's faking it, that would be easy, because they wouldn't be the exact same size. You also could match the thread. I mean, this isn't, like... New age level freaking crazy. Confession. Case closed. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, but people lie weirdly enough more than you would think about committing crimes. <laughs> well, let's move on to our real killer, shall we? This is crazy. I can't believe. So, like, <laughs> this is nuts. Yep. This is how it all starts. With this dude one. just was like, "All right, I'm guilty." Like. Bitch got me. Yeah. Good call. Uh, he's like, oh, they're going to put me into the chair if I don't say guilty. He wasn't once like, not same jeans. <laughs> not the same What's jeans. What's even there? <laughs> don't know the bitch. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, what's even crazier is if you think about it, had she not done that, this killer probably wouldn't have done all of the crazy things that he did. Because he was pissed that somebody else took credit? or No, because they would have continued looking for him well they obviously sucked so they weren't gonna find him anyway <laughs> they just waited for somebody to come forward and be like yeah i did it how do you know well i got a cut pair of jeans here i got some stuff for you like the jeans in the picture were blue these are black <laughs> no they were me uh so the real killer however was keith hunter jesperson and i don't know why i sounded so happy saying that shitbag's name all right uh, but he was he was born April 6th in Chilliwack, British Columbia in Canada. So not everyone in Canada is nice. 
Apparently. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs> uh, he was a middle child and his father and his grandfather were both abusive alcoholics who loved to beat on him and treat him different than his other siblings. Wait, were the murders in America? Yeah. Then you can't blame Canada. No, I would never blame Canada. He became an American first. <laughs> then he became a serial killer. Um, so, like I said, they treated him different than his other siblings. Doing things like charging him rent when his siblings paid nothing. They regularly beated him. Beat him. <laughs> and uh, public beatings to humiliate him were um, quite common. And they'd go as far as to do um, shock, like electric shock with a frayed wire oh. as punishment. So Yikes. They were assholes. Uh, he was also way large for his age and he was bullied at school for it, which is strange to me. I'd be like, hey... I can kick your ass, bro. <laughs> you know, but like large is in fat or like no. He was a uh, big like dude, full grown. If I'm not mistaken, he was six foot seven, and like just built, big dude. Weird thing to get picked on for. All right. Yeah. Well, his brothers, his older brothers, called him Igor because he was such a big kid, and the rest of the school picked up on it and yeah. kept going with it. Uh, around the age of five he already had these psychopathic tendencies that we always talk about he liked to torture. Uh, he was still canadian then he liked to torture and kill animals and he loved to set fire to things he claimed it was the only time he could get good praises from his father when he lit stuff on fire when he lit shit on fire yeah all right, all right. um as he grew older he moved on to like larger animals and he found um just stray dogs and cats and he would beat them and strangle them and he started thinking around that time that he would rather do this to a human than an animal the first time that he acted on this he was only 10 years old him and his friend were playing they always got in trouble together in general and he said that he got in trouble for something that he did one too many times so he beat his friend um until his dad pulled him off and he said he blatantly said that he was trying to kill his friend holy crap at 10 at 10 yeah and uh his second attempt at murder was only a year later he was at a swimming hole and a boy held him underwater until he passed out um because they were bullying him because he was, was tall tall apparently <laughs> <laughs> asshole and um the lifeguard saved or you know intervened or whatever saved him but then he went back and he um drowned the boy with intention of killing him however a lifeguard stepped in at that point and the boy did not die all right Sadly, at age 14, he became a rape victim, um, but there's not a lot on that topic. He has said that it happened, but there's like, he hasn't given who, what, where, that kind of thing. Age of 20, he did get married, and um, he married Rose Huck, had three children, and became a cross-country trucker to uh, pay the bills. All these serial killers getting girls. It's a, Let it's, me tell you. We did a whole episode oh, on that. Yeah. Oh, or at least we've talked yeah, about that several times. <laughs> that was, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, Shawcross was like that 
Uh, I think that was actually, I was a little nervous that I covered this topic because of the similarities in the two. But his wife actually divorced him in 1990 because she was tired of the affairs while he was on the road. And there's a lot of other problems. The affairs started the day they got married. While she was on the altar, he was actually out back with her maid of honor making out with her. (laughs) Uh, When he was... um, All right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) When he was on the road uh, trucking, she would get calls to the house asking for Keith and he'd and she'd say, who is this? And they'd say, I'm his girlfriend. And she'd say, I'm his wife. And they'd be like, uh. What's this guy's name? I got to see a picture of this uh, guy. Keith Jesperson. And he wasn't horrible looking. Like as he got older, he got worse looking, I will say. But I mean, no, he looks like the dude from like. From Dust Till Dawn, the the kind of like he looks like the guy from from Dust Till Dawn with the glasses. That uh, that's what's his name? The he's the director. The Robert Ramirez. Yeah, Ramiro. Like, a little bit like a cross between him and the dad from Heroes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's just bad glasses, but yeah, he's uh no, it was younger ones though. He was he doesn't look like the ladies. Oh, you know what? Is this is this him too? Yeah, he okay. When he had that hair, is that him? He had that like seventies curly long hair. Like, yeah, all right, I, I see it now. He's a good looking guy. He, that the prison photos are less good looking. Weird. Yeah. Uh. They didn't let him pick out the nice glasses in prison. Well, the cheating actually was the last straw, but my last straw would have happened way before this when he was out in the uh, home from trucking. And he was out with his daughter outside, and she had stumbled upon a litter of kittens. Well, he hated animals, and he especially hated cats. So in front of his daughter, he took and strung the cats up on the clothesline by their backs and their tails. And she ran inside to get her mother's help. And by the time that she grabbed her mom and brought her mom out, they came out to a pile of dead kittens. That's fucked up. Yep. But for As some, some would say, that's worse than the murdering of human beings. <sighs> the internet. Yeah, don't fuck don't with fuck cats. With cats. <laughs> was, I actually couldn't make it through that documentary. I mean, first of all, anybody who's ever watched a movie ever and you see people die regularly and you're like, oh, that might be sad or whatever. I didn't like that guy anyway, but they kill a dog. Oh, God. Cat. Oh, there man. You now you're pissed. Waterworks. Oh, it comes. Don't watch Marley and me. That's Jeez. a bad idea. Spoiler alert. Don't watch Marley and Me. <laughs> um, so anyways. Um, the director of that movie should be shot in the shin. <laughs> I agree. Like wounded, but not killed. Yeah. Just, no, I want him to like suffer what I suffered having watched that with my <laughs> six-year-old daughter. Not only was I crying, I had to deal with her crying for like nine days. Anyways, back on to some serial killing. Well, he just killed some cats. Got me all riled <laughs> I know, up. I got you all railed up kittens like a lot of people don't like cats who the fuck doesn't like kittens serial killers for some reason it's like a running theme so strange that's how you know if you get a psychopath (laughs) right well uh like i said tanya was his first victim however since he was not caught he kind of got a little more confident and went on to his next victim people were already in jail for the crime he committed right the next woman 
was Jean. She was intoxicated uh, with her baby in a parking lot looking for a ride. Now, he pulled up in his truck and she's like, I need a ride, blah, blah, blah. I'm drunk. And... <laughs> all right like this is how i imagine like she's got to be plastered she's got an infant baby and she's wasted in a parking lot asking a trucker for a ride like mom of the year not so much but she gets into the truck puts her baby into the passenger seat and goes in the back and she's like you know giving a little exchange for some oral for some miles and the woman decided that you know what this guy was acting like a fucking weirdo And he tried to break her neck, but quickly realized that he had his limits. He didn't want to kill a baby. All right. So he drove her back to the parking lot that he picked her up in, dropped her and her baby off. So the baby saved her life. The report, the woman. This is what he said? Like, I didn't want to kill a baby, so I let her live? Yeah, like later on when he was actually apprehended. Cut that out. Java wants to be in the episode. Well, he's pissed about the baby and danger yeah. situation. He does not like this part of the story. Not at all. Well, the woman reported him to the police and they arrested him. However, his story was slightly different when he was arrested. He took the police and showed them the bottle that she drank, explained that she was very intoxicated and the marks on her neck were from the steering wheel in the truck during the act of oral sex. He was released from custody with a sexual assault charge and a court date. When he never showed up to his court date, however, a warrant was put out, but it was too expensive to extradite him from Iowa to California, so they dropped the charges. All right, all right. Now, nearly two years since the discovery of Tanya in the summer of September 16th, 1992... A woman was found murdered in Blythe, California. This Jane Doe was also beaten and raped and finally strangled to death. However, with literally no evidence to go on, the woman remained a Jane Doe and the case was left unsolved. When they did finally catch him, he said that it was a sex worker named Claudia. She had told him to hurry up already. And so then he... Got frustrated and killed her. I paid for a full hour, bitch. (laughs) Oh, a month later, on September 1992, um, in Turlock, California, the body of Cynthia Lynn Rose was found. Keith had hired her for her services, and she tried to double her fee. So he killed her. Right? I mean, this guy is kind of getting screwed over for some fair trade and, you know, changing the... I think that he's just got excuses for going after transient women just gonna say uh she was a sex worker to the local to the area and she was strangled to death but there was no evidence to go on and with high-risk lifestyle that she lived she basically just kind of got thrown to the wayside and there was just kind of left open and unattended In June of 1993, another woman was found in Santa Nina, California. This Jane Doe had a little um, investigation because of her same lifestyle, and they automatically ruled her an overdose. March 1994, Beverton, Oregon, the court received a letter. Ooh, next class, please. 
They received a letter, and it read, I killed Tanya Bennett, January 21st, 1990, in Portland, Oregon. I beat her to death, raped her, and and loved it. Yes, I'm sick, but I enjoyed myself to people took the blame, and I'm free, and signed it with a happy face. All right. There's a string of murders unrelated all across the country. And now they're getting a random letter saying like, hey, I left you a letter in a bathroom stall on a wall saying that I killed Tanya. Y'all put other people away. I'm killing more people. Wait, so where was that letter found? That was sent directly to the courthouse. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about it is that the handwriting was the same that was on the writing of the Montana stall. And they had the same signature of the smiley face. However, there's roughly five more pages of this letter giving very detailed information that only the police would know or the killer would know about all of the different murders that they're claiming to have done. So they like now think this is the guy? (laughs) Well, no. Now they're like, well, we already put people away and some crazy person is just sending us letters. So they pushed it to the side. However, the uh, reporters, well, they thought there was something to look into. I hope so. (laughs) Somebody should. The local paper was receiving letters confessing to the murders of the five women. So he sent this to the sheriff and to the. And then the local papers, because he wasn't getting his attention. He was getting frustrated, and now we're at body count of five and he's just going strong and not even a single care in the world apparently that's not what a serial killer wants not one that wants attention (laughs) unless it's dexter and then he doesn't want (laughs) it was troubling to the police however they would thinking that you know tanya's killers were away they they really didn't want to look into the possibility of a serial killer because i mean no they did not want to admit that they were wrong (laughs) and they put the wrong people in prison and this was going to look really really bad on the department let's be real here well the local newspaper did do some digging of their own and they sent an investigator out to each police department to see if the other four murders that had been described and the dump sites that were listed for the women lined up And they all did. During this time, there was another Jane Doe that was found seemingly unrelated in September of 1994. Um, Keith in Crestview, Florida, with a similar cause of death. And he actually claimed afterwards that her name was Suzanne. His second to last victim before getting caught was, in my opinion, the one that got it the worst. Um, In January of 1995... While back home to visit his children, they ended up leaving early because they said he was acting dark and upset. Well, he left the place that he was staying with, you know, coming to visit his kids that he never sees and went to the bar. He picked up Angela Sabreeze. Now, she is a hitchhiker originally from Spokane, Washington. And after... Wait, all right. So the kids were like, he's acting crazy and wanted to go home. Deuces. And they took off. They're and they got of age up. that they could leave. All right. No, I, I didn't even finish that thought. So they're gone. Now there's a new woman. Now he, he, went to the he bar. was like, I'm going to the bar. My kids left. All right. Got to the bar. 
don't know if that was confusing how I said it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a little rusty. But he, yeah, so he went out to the bar to grab a drink. And when he was there, he met Angela. And after a night of drinks and talking at the bar, he said that he would take her in his truck from Spokane, Washington, and she was going towards Indiana. So he would take her on the way. Apparently, he claims that he grew annoyed with her. And so he decided that it would be best to beat her, rape her, and then he didn't want to be identified because they had been seen together at the bar and it was too risky of a crime that he just committed so he strapped her to the underside of his truck and dragged her across the ground to get rid of her face and fingerprints and anything that could be identifiable they like legit did that in joyride 2 didn't they they did we just watched that yeah they had the two people like tied to the hood of the truck and then they got sucked under yeah. the truck and art get dragged imitates life and imitates life imitates art <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> that's your favorite quote and you messed it up <laughs> art imitates life imitates art <laughs> it's easier to type it out than it is to say it i guess <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she, her body was not found for uh, another two months, and actually until he gave the police the location of the body. Um, his final victim was his girlfriend. So he did that, too. He told them where that body was even before he got caught. That one was after he got caught. Okay. That's that wrong. one, yeah, that one is he once he was actually caught. Um, but his final victim was his downfall. He had a more stable girlfriend, and that was Julie Wingingham. The the kids, when they're, you know, being interviewed about her, say that that was the most stable relationship besides that one with their mom that they'd ever seen him in. Sadly, though, there's not too much on why he did it, but once again, he beat, strangled, raped his girlfriend, and... Then he he threw her off the side of a mountain. What? And just kind of left her there. Well, when she was found, they thought she was actually a mannequin on the side of the road, like garbage. And when they came out, they are like, oh, shit, person. So they put all of her stuff out there and everybody was on the lookout for who this mystery woman who had been dumped off the side of the mountain was. And her parents came forward and identified her. And they did know that she had a boyfriend, and they said that they thought his name was Chris, but all they knew was that he was a long-haul trucker. Now, once the police had that information, they started going through her personal stuff to get more information of who this Chris person was. Well, there was a bill of sale for a car that she sold, and he was a witness, and he signed his entire name on it, which ended up being his undoing i suppose yeah they found out crazy how that stuff yeah just like a random i am the witness to the sale of this car written on a piece of paper well they yeah so they they took that and they ran with it and they looked it up and he was a long haul truck driver and the company that he worked for actually worked with the police to schedule a meetup in uh la cruz new mexico and when they got there they Brought him in, they did like a DNA swab and a hair sample, 
And they asked him, you know, what's going on? Your girlfriend is dead. And he did not seem surprised. He did not ask what happened, how it happened, anything. He just was very calm, cold, and really didn't care. Said they had a fight. He left her on the side of the road. And that was the last time that he had seen her. Well, the cops kind of saw through his bullshit, but they had nothing to hold him on. So right. Still just, circumstantial. Right. They just let him go. And they're like, all right, well, move along. Well, when they interviewed him, they left him his card and said, if you remember anything or have anything else to say, call me back. Nope. Keith, highly paranoid now and thought that the police were onto him, started seeing police officers everywhere and thought that they were all coming after him. And the pressure got so bad that on March 25th, 1995, he actually calls and first leaves a voicemail saying, you were right. I killed her. On the Telltale Heart Police Office. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> Phone line, yeah. Art imitates life, imitates art. It's back. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I did not make that connection. I love it. Telltale Heart. So then they call him back and they get a full confession over the phone and they bring him in, you know, and arrest him. And while he's being questioned and they're going over everything, he, they're like, do you want to tell your family or do you want us to tell your family? He goes, oh, no, I already sent my brother a letter telling him everything I've ever done. What? So the brother comes in. He's like, I got this. Uh, handwriting is a perfect match. The facts are matching up between murders, dates. They have the letter that he sent originally to the police and the newspapers that are giving the names. The other letters are giving the locations like all the facts are just spread out between all of these letters his saliva is on all the letter opener like, oh sure they can check saliva but they can't <laughs> check to make sure the freaking cutout matches i hope they <laughs> let the dude out and let the girl stay in prison well you know what it's funny you say that but once they confirmed that he had actually done these crimes they he led them to the place that he threw um the original victim's purse they found her driver's license in a blackberry field and they had no other choice but to set Laverne and John free after serving four years in prison. And then they sued. I don't think they did. I hope the guy sued. She'd have a difficult time suing. Yeah, she was like, you know <laughs> I what? did this. And that's so like the, the, the kid who cried wolf. No, I mean, that's just a crime to yeah. falsify a police report. She's just and an asshole. Did, why didn't they put her back <laughs> in prison for that? I don't know. Time served. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. That's a lesser punishment. Uh, well, um, Keith ended up being sentenced to four life sentences, which was a grand process, to say the least, between what counties wanted to press the charges. So it was, you know, oh, no, well, the body was found here, but oh, no, it was committed here. And they went back and forth on where they would prosecute. So that took forever. Don't the feds step in because it was across state lines? Uh, yeah, but for like each state was trying to get him. I thought that's the point of the feds stepping in. <laughs> they transferred him from each state to the next state and he was getting life sentence, life sentence, life sentence. Well, they all wanted to um, give... Yeah, they want the to families get, uh, exactly. closure and all that. Which is crazy because he was a fucking asshole in court. Going so far as winking at family members that he killed their daughter. No remorse, one, Just yeah. winking at them and laughing, smiling, arrogant through the entire thing. How did he not get the death penalty? California. But 
seven states all were California trying. didn't have the death penalty, and I think Oregon, he was the fourth life sentence. Hopefully they killed him in prison. I don't know. It wasn't that long ago. But, yeah, so needless to say, there was really cool little aftermath that I got to watch was um, there's a show called Monster in My Family and his daughter interviews. It's her whole story about growing up with a serial killer as a father. And she reflects on several times that she took joy rides in her father's truck as a child and been excited to be in her dad's truck that he used to kill many women. And at one point, she recalled a time that he said, I know how to get away with murder. I would cut off the fly of her pants so they couldn't fingerprint me. And I'd wear my cycling shoes because they don't have an imprint on the sole. So you couldn't tell what shoes I was wearing. And she just thought, like, it was a weird thing that maybe he heard. (laughs) Well, I mean, people can say the same thing about you. I know. Like, I I can relate (laughs) to that. Like, I see some weird shit. But, you know. We have a podcast as your alibi. Yeah, I'm always like, I got a podcast on this shit. Like, I gotta I gotta be a little weird. <laughs> it's cool. He claimed to kill 185 people, by the way. I was just gonna say, yeah. and That's course, nuts. Like all of the random ass asshole killers out there, he claims that he had 185 random bodies out there. But, I mean, same they thing with Shawcross or uh, what's what was the... Uh, the guy who did the house where he killed everybody. You know what I'm talking about. I do know who you're talking about. I'm bad with names, but the one in Chicago. Alfred. Not Hitchcock. 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 <laughs> no, it's the... Uh... No, I know. Uh, yeah, it'll come to me in the middle of yours or something. No, tonight at 3 a.m. I'm just going to slam awake. So uh, how are you going to break my brain? I'm already terrified. H.H. Holmes. H.H. Holmes. What did I say, Alfred? I was <laughs> not even close. All right, so I am going to break brains, but not in the way that I usually do. It, it does kind of follow the same theme as my question in the universe, I guess, or however you want to put it, but in a different way. I'm going to start this whole thing off with a conspiracy theory that exists out there just to kind of see who knows it. But have you ever heard the conspiracy theory that suggests Paul McCartney is actually dead and that he was replaced with a body double? Have you heard that? Okay, so the weird thing was, I thought I heard he died, like, five years ago. Well, he's still alive, but no, he supposedly died in, like, 1967, uh, January 7th, in a car accident. And, I mean, this is a deep-level conspiracy theory, so there's, like, a whole cult of people out there. I guarantee we have listeners that know this and believe this, and I'm not questioning whether or not it's true. This episode really has nothing to do with that. But it goes deep in that. <laughs> I love when you say that. This has nothing to do with it. And it, it does. But it, it like, you'll see. You'll see. But no. So like, apparently in the Beatles songs, they're actually leaving clues to the fact that he's been replaced. This became such a huge conspiracy back in the late 60s, early 70s. They actually made an album that was titled, I think it was self-titled, like, Paul is live to like play off the conspiracy that he was dead. Uh, There were several times that he alluded to the fact that he was dead just to kind of mess with everybody or so they say, or he was 
secretly trying to let everybody know that Paul McCartney really was dead. Um, They even know the guy's name that they claim replaced him. He was the winner of a lookalike contest that they had back in the late 60s. I mean, smart, right? Right. Go with it. Now, he had the voice. I was going to say, that was my first (laughs) thought. I was like, can he sing like him? But either way, this is, it's interesting. And it's not the only person, by the way. Uh, There are internet conspiracies out there right now that Avril Lavigne, Died and was replaced. Yes. And I've looked into this and I cannot. Okay. First off with Avril, girls got my heart. I wore a tie for like all of middle school because I thought I was a skater girl who couldn't skate, but I was cool. But I love her. She wasn't a skater girl. No, she liked a skater boy. She liked a skater boy. Yeah, that's right. And now she's singing and he's being lazy on the couch. So yeah, totally. Uh, But... She had my heart, but here's my thing. With their theory, I possibly could see it. But also when they say that her face changed, like the structure of her face and like they show like points down, points up and like all this, your skull isn't fully developed until you're 23. So like your face is continuously changing. So that's like my only eh, about that. But honestly, like her music changed her style changed like she changed yeah. i was gonna say it goes deeper than you're alluding to right now but at the same time i'm not here to prove whether or not ever levine has been replaced i was just excited because I, I right and i was gonna say i mean <laughs> like a lot of people talk about this stuff there's also rumors that melania trump maybe is replaced or at least has a body double that sometimes pretends to be her there's even ones out there about trump having been replaced and that there's Sometimes it's him and sometimes it's his double. And, and I mean, for the, the record, thing I could say about Melania is like it could be because like she it could be a clone because sometimes she stands so still. And I'm like, is yeah. she alive? Well, that, now that's <laughs> funny because now you're actually getting closer to my topic. But uh, the reality is like there's tons of these rumors out there and, and you've already touched on it. Even if it actually happened, and even if there were people that came forward and were like, here's evidence that it's true, there's always going to be the easier explanation of like, well, her face just didn't stop forming, or there's always going to be a more logical explanation. It would be very difficult to come to the conclusion that somebody actually has been replaced, which, by the way, falls into like going closer to the actual topic the old Irish urban legend, like myth of the changelings, where they would actually, and we talked about this in a previous episode, I might have but t- t- touched on it. They replace the young children with these mm-hmm. fairies, these evil fairies, and you know, like it, people would say, like those aren't my kids, and they were just thought of as being crazy, and like yes, they are, and like some people believed in this, and some people didn't. There's no way to ever really know, and even if it actually happened. The ability to prove that it happened is almost impossible, right? But there's also a medical condition that means, I mean, like the fact that the medical condition exists means there's enough people out there that genuinely believe their loved ones have been replaced that they have actually labeled this as a syndrome. It's uh, Kagra syndrome. Mm. It's spelled C-A-P-R-A-S, but I looked up how to pronounce it. You're and, so uh, on <laughs> Kagra syndrome, but or yeah, Kagra syndrome is anywho. This you is, question your pronunciation. <laughs> I did. I was like, wasn't there an S? But there's not. There's an S at the end, so I was like, oh. I don't know. I was like Kagra syndrome, but uh, Kagra syndrome. Reach one more time. Kagra syndrome. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I like it's <laughs> the pronunciation is K A A G R A A. So then I was like, I still don't know. But I also listened to them say it, but it's been too long since I listened to it and say I was questioning myself. But anywho, well, I always say we never look up the uh, pronunciations. <laughs> oh, I, I do, and then it still didn't help. It's gone by the time I'm on the spot. But th- this bizarre phenomenon occurs, and people think that close family members, friends, loved ones, etc., are replaced and that nobody else can tell. But the only reason they can tell is because they were the ones that were closest. And the small, subtle things. The small, subtle things. But then they, they push the people away and they're like, you're not real. You're not my wife. Like, get away from me. So they're then... the ones that are instantly perceived as cuckoo crazy. Put us uh, put away from society. Like, even if it was true, nobody's going to believe them. Right. And we're always going to have some sort of explanation. And now here's the crazy thing. And this is what always, this is not the topic either, by the way. <laughs> but this is what's crazy to me. Like, we're just going to tell them they're wrong. And we're just going to push them away and be like, they're clearly the ones that are idiots. Yet, they don't know what causes this. They've only looked into, like, the gist. They, they've determined that there is a process through which our brains categorize it's like a a complex brain system that involves memory emotion and self-identification and it's what allows us to readily recognize people our loved ones our kids our family you came home and started calling me allison no no but that so but what if i didn't what if i still called you lover what if i still acted like me would there be nuanced things that just disconnected you from me to where you'd be like no there's something off maybe you wouldn't immediately jump to the conclusion that i was replaced but you'd start the question like hey this isn't normal like maybe he's cheating on me or maybe this is happening or he got fired at work or whatever maybe at some point you jump to the conclusion that i was replaced but guess what would happen I would be a psychopath. Cockroach syndrome, and you'd get set away, and, like, that's it. Like, nobody would believe you, even if it truly happened. But that's, while very, very close to the topic, it's still not technically the topic. (laughs) You just are toying with my emotions. So, uh, my question is, who are we? Like, how predictable are we? How duplicatable are we? What makes us who we are when it comes to sets of circumstances and how we react to them or how indistinguishable we are to our loved ones when it makes up each individual one of us. So, like, the question is, could we be replicated? And for all intent and purpose, could we be essentially immortalized But not in the way that we traditionally think. We find the fountain of youth and we drink it and we can live forever. What if we were able to take our thoughts, our opinions, our our data that makes us up, who we are, how we act throughout our day-to-day lives, how we respond to a variable set of circumstances that occur throughout our our day-to-day lives... And and how often do those things actually occur to where it would even matter? But there's some really interesting things that are going on. And and they all kind of play a part in this. And I guess all together it is the topic. But no individual. I'm not like branching off into these topics. There's a Adobe project called 
Adobe Project Voco. Creative. <laughs> very creative. Uh, as Adobe a program, I was going to say, that is called Adobe Project Voco, where they are able to take a conversation that's occurring, or like a, somebody who has a podcast like us, or somebody who does speeches, they're able to put the data from voice recognition into the system, anywhere from 20 minutes and beyond, and it records the sound profile for the individual. And after a minimum of about 20 minutes and up to an infinite amount of time, the more data it has collected, the more accurately it can emulate your voice. But you can go in there and as simple as going into Photoshop and cutting out, you know, like a stop sign and putting it in another picture, you can completely change what a person says throughout their conversation. Nope, don't like it. I, I previously have mentioned this in, a, in another episode, but it, again, this is not like this isn't the topic I'm diving into, but that's an important part of what I'm getting to. And, and I'm not exaggerating at all. I'm going to post a video of this if you haven't seen it on our uh, Facebook group, but it is that simple. Now, is it perfect? No, but keep in mind, this is the consumer level goofing around with audio files that you get and if you like ask your your mom to get a new you know toy and you're a kid and she says no you're like oh you said yes i recorded it like it's for fun like already i'm creeped out by like the things on facebook where they just put a you put a picture of yourself well hold on you're jumping ahead so what i'm talking about is the voice that's what i'm saying now hold on so there's the voice where they're able to Change the things that you've said where it's indistinguishable in terms of like the voice inflections and whatnot. Right. You can hear like little glimpses of glitches in there when you let the system just automatically do it for you. But this is the cheap, like free version that you can go out and play with. Once it's like the expensive shit. Or yeah, like I personally can go in there with our podcast data and get rid of those little blips and make it sound seamless. Mm -hmm. These people that are professional, like you can make anybody say anything you want now and it's readily available. Then you have the reface app that you're talking about. Now that one creeps me out. It should because you have the ability and this is again, keep in mind anything you get to play with as an app on your phone is the very base level of the right. technologies that truly exist that spawned these little toys that we we get access to, right? They have the ability and the people who actually are behind this, it's called deep fakes. They show and uh, this is another video I'm going to post. There are four videos of Obama carrying on a speech and four different versions of the same speech. And they're like, can you tell which one of those four videos is the one Obama actually gave? All of them are fake. All of them were fake. (laughs) So all four videos were fake and the audio was also fake. The entire video, the conversation, everything that took place didn't happen, and it was indistinguishable from reality. At some point, we don't know what the videos that are out there are actually... No, that's already here. That point is already here. I'm saying, like, (laughs) at some point, that makes you think, like, 
now which video said what what no what i'm telling you is that is already reality like so the implications of this are extraordinary you could implicate somebody in a crime they did not commit and or you can commit a crime on video and use this technology as your alibi like you cannot prove that was me so like video technology is all but worthless i've mentioned I mean, it before have to be like a directly from a closed circuit no it doesn't matter because that data is unless you have the old analog tape and the tape yeah. has been unedited there's no way we have to go backwards in technology to <sighs> prove that something has not been tampered with now they claim they're trying to create ways to determine if something has been edited but guess what for every geek nerd computer genius out there that's figuring out ways to figure out if things have been edited. There's just as many geek nerd guys, black hat hackers and all this going out there and figuring out ways to make it indetectable. So the reality is it's already here. Nobody wants to admit that yet. You don't want to admit that your security camera in your home is technically worthless when it comes to going to court to, to prove somebody broke into your house. Even if you can clearly see who it was, because if there is a motive that can be presented to a jury that suggests you had a reason to pinpoint that person. You could have edited that and made them look like they broke into your house when they did not. Video evidence is dead. This is, I always said I couldn't wait till the day we were at where it, with technology when it came to things like UFOs. And by the time we got there with cell phones in our pockets with high definition cameras on the ready, it was pointless because it didn't matter because now we also had the technology to fake everything. So... UFO investigations, if you will, have become all but pointless because as readily available as cameras are, the ability to manipulate photos is equally readily available. And now there's never any way to prove anything out there is real. And now that's true for audio and video. But again, this is not the topic. (laughs) I was totally expecting you to say that right now. So my whole point to all of this is, for one, can we be immortalized at this point for example if i went on vacation for a work thing and they sent me to another country and and nobody that i knew lived in that country okay but the moment i got there i was murdered big huge conspiracy thing they killed me and all of a sudden we didn't tell anybody i was murdered nobody nobody let that come out i get to this country i get murdered and they duplicate me digitally speaking and i continue to have everyday conversations with my loved ones i talk to my kids i talk to you i talk to the friends i have a facebook presence out there i'm I'm consistently posting videos carrying on conversations with my face my facial expressions my voice the whole nine yards how long would it take before somebody even questioned whether or not that was actually me I mean, until you came back and you didn't come back. But what if there was some reason? So I'm making these videos and I tell you, oh, I got extended. Oh, you know what? It turns out I'm not coming back. I'm leaving you and and just running away and like whatever. Like, I mean, I'd be like, oh, fuck, no, this ain't him. Or I'd be sending out like whatever government that you were in being like, he wouldn't say this. 
Right. Like, I mean, and I want to believe you and would do I that would, and you want to believe you would do I that. I would be a crazy person. But I would also, you know, they wouldn't just go from everything's fine till everything's horrible. Like they would yeah. gradually break it down the relationship to the point where it would make sense that that happened. Right. And there's really no way. Like we're at that point of technology right now. You could do that to somebody. They could disappear. Somebody convince you they ran away, convince you that they're still communicating with you via the phone, via Facebook, via messenger, all this stuff. And there'd be no way of knowing that that's not really them. They can change who you are as a person and make you disappear and yet let everybody in the world think you're still alive. Now, there are all this stuff out there about the celebrities who have disappeared and all this stuff. Like, we're at the point now with technology, many of the public figures that we've grown to love, they could die and we would never know. They can put them, I mean, look at the Arnold Schwarzenegger. They oh, made him a yes. kid again, like young, and like put him in a movie. I was just going to say, when whenever I see a CGI character movie and I'm watching it, I'm like, are these real people or are they... What? Now, it can be argued like that level of CGI is not quite there yet. We can still tell like, ah, there's something going on. Like that's that doesn't look as real as it could. It's still incredibly real. But imagine as that progresses, like they could get you to the point where like full blown conversation walking around on TV the whole nine yards with these facial recognition, deep face software. They have the ability to emulate all of your mannerisms, make it your lips move the same with the verbiage that they put in there, change what you say the whole nine yards. Well, if they go off my recording that you've edited, I'm a lot smoother of a talker than I actually am. (laughs) (laughs) Would that be the thing that would set you off? Well, so there's, there's what, like, it's all comes down to data, which is part of what I'm getting at here. And, And we're starting to get onto the actual meant to be topic that I, that I brought to you guys. So the, the back to the being immortalized. What if there was a way where like I was going to die of some, whatever disease, whatever. And we all knew that I was going to die. It was like, we accepted it. There was no way to get around it. The whole nine yards, be nice but to your mic. we have young children. We have, you know, family that cares about all these things i'm speaking in wheeze and myself it's getting confusing but you know i have young children i want to be there for them uh you know like it won't actually be me watching them grow up but i want them to have me in their lives until they're ready to not have me in their lives right so if given that option what if i had the ability to hire a company and that company would observe me They would observe my interactions with my day-to-day life, observe my interactions with people that I work with, with my wife, with kids, friends, etc. It only takes about 20 minutes to mimic somebody's facial expressions. And once they have about 20 minutes of data, they can capture nearly all of them. Just as me. Right. And uh, I make... I, I turn into a mimic around people. Right. And that's actually, so that is something I was going to bring up. Anybody who's good at, uh, what do you call that? Copying people's voices. the Impersonating. Impersonations. You don't just impersonate their voice. You actually impersonate their mannerisms you do as that, you do it. Um, when you sing, too. I, it's a weird thing. If you, like... You say you as, as in me, but it's not me. It's no, you as in you sing. In I, gen- I can't a sing. person in general, <laughs> or maybe, you know, just me. But if I go to sing karaoke and I want to sound the closest to that person that I can, 
The only way I can reach that desired voice is actually by looking at how their face and their mouth moves because that changes the pronunciation, that changes the um, brightness or darkness of what's being done. And part of that makes sense because your mouth is actually moving as you do that. But what's even more impressive to me is the body language. You'll emulate body language of that person, which should technically have nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with it. But it's a way of imitating that person by becoming part of who that person is. And that is exactly what I'm talking about here. So we, we a minimum of 20 to 25 minutes of data, you can you can capture somebody's mannerisms, their facial expressions, how they interact with people. 20 to 25 minutes of data, you can copy their voice. Now I'm talking about a company that could follow you around for a year and collect all of the data that you have readily available from videos that you've recorded to audio that you've recorded to podcasts we recorded, the whole nine yards. And they can create this profile for not just the sound of your voice and your facial expressions, but how you interact with people. You know, I, I've got my dad's favorite expressions that we all laugh about. And go, oh, you think I just rolled in on a head of cabbage or I got a hand like a foot or so tell me a little bit about yourself. You were born. Then what happened? Like there's these certain things that people say. And if, if we were to just randomly toss those in algorithmically with the amount of times that he randomly tosses them into cam- conversations, it would give you that feeling that he's still there with you. Right. But I'm talking about going even slightly deeper than that. How do we respond to, so like, sorry, let me pull back a second. On a macro scale, our lives are are pretty boring for the most part. If you're looking at it on a macro scale, you're outside looking in on like a, a monthly basis or a weekly basis. How many unique variables do you think actually exist in your day-to-day life? Monday through Friday, the average person wakes up, Goes to work at 9 a.m., gets off work at 5 p.m., comes home, has dinner. And the average person or us? I'm talking about the average person. (laughs) like Even up to and including us, which I'll get to in a second, but just you're talking the average macro scale level. I'm not saying we never vary, but everybody has their routines. No, I definitely have a very ingrained routine for daily I hate routines, but I still have them. I mean, every morning I, I take a crap at some point. I brush my teeth at some point. I always have to start with my coffee. Have your coffee every morning. It's like you, like some days I go straight to the couch. Some days I go straight to the coffee. You know, like it's, you wake up, you do whatever. But all you would have to do is watch somebody for like a month, maybe two. See how they interact in the morning and then create an algorithm that randomly does those behaviors. Right. Well, but then on a micro scale, everybody like, well, no, I'm super unique. I'm very different. Like I do like spontaneous things. Algorithmically, those things can be replicated. You look at our friends, you know, you got Mariah and she does her random facial expressions and voice, you know, deep voice things she does. You replicate it as well because you hang out with her. And then all you would have to do is absorb that data and algorithmically throw that behavior in throughout conversations and that would be a familiarity that you have with that person all right so i'm leaning towards this is really creepy for them to do with people but i am all for them doing that with our pets so i actually have that in here as well yes that's my like i'm thinking about this i'm like yeah just do it with my pets just, just let them live forever. Well, before we get there, so we're uh, Sorry, back to the people. No, you're fine. I didn't mean to jump. You're, 
that was the natural progression is, all right, so we have loved ones that we care about and we don't want to lose them. And, and maybe for a temporary period of time or maybe for a permanent period of time. And that would be completely up to the user. But you hire this company. They observe you on a X amount of time basis. They create a profile, a data profile of all your interactions and they can emulate those to the point where the average person would have no idea. And even your loved ones would be like, nah, that that's my lover. She does that. She does this. Like it would for all intent and purposes, by the way, be you subtracting, of course, the conscious existence of your mind of and me. what variable that <laughs> takes in from me. My observation, I have no way of knowing if you even have a conscious existence. I can only know that I myself have a conscious existence. So to the user, to like if I hire the company, I'm going to die. I'm not going to observe you guys as life goes on. But you guys would observe me essentially as I am in every way other than deep down you would know that I consciously am not here. Okay? So at first I'm just talking about a computer emulated version of me. You would all know it's not me. I mean, it would be freaking fantastic to go back and talk to my ancestors my family tree if there was a log of them and hear and know so that would be super cool but i'm thinking more of it as like a computer screen where i can just kind of click it and be like tell me your life story biography not like an interacting that's kind of creepy to so me. So that was one of the things that I actually observed was they did Holocaust victims and they recorded them answering questions and then they created holograms of them. So as they passed away, we would have these remnants of holographic images of actual Holocaust survivors that we could have interactive conversations with and they were sitting in a chair right next to us as we talked to them. Where Where is this? This is a computer company that I, I discovered on the internet. I'm going to share it on the Facebook. But they've developed this technology. This is where they transitioned from this into the deep fakes face swapping capabilities. That's where it all progressed from. Wow. Yeah. That would be intense. Right. And, and like, now imagine if we could sit there and be like, I would like to pick Albert Einstein's brain to the best of our ability. But the problem is, is they would do that and it wouldn't actually be him. (laughs) Right. But we wouldn't know that. No, but like, they didn't have the technology back that far. So no, I'm saying moving it, forward. It would have to be right. our versions today moving of these forward, people. Moving forward, but like obviously anybody before the technology. Now that well, you're still not entirely. It all comes down to how much data do we have? No, we don't have enough to recreate someone's life. I you, don't think. I don't. Well, you say that, but I'm I'm trying to explain to you that we don't really have that much that makes us unique on a micro scale. I like. I don't. We think have that data points. Take Da Vinci. So hold on. Let me get back to Albert Einstein here because we have a plethora. We actually have more on Albert Einstein than the world probably has on me. He's put his mind into books and written to the nth degree about his philosophy on life, on God, on math, on the universe, etc. So we could take all of those data points and, oh, by the way, the only thing we need to recreate them digitally in 3D models is photographs of their face. They don't even have to be three-dimensional photographs. photographs. 
all different angles that they can find. All they need is that. And they don't even have to be all in the same color tint. They could all be black and white. We've figured out ways to bring it back. No, because there's always a bias of a developer. So they can put in as much information as they want. But at some point, the creator has the bias. The only people that would know and the only way to test this algorithmically would be to do it while somebody's still alive. Have the live person and the virtual person respond to the same scenarios and see pro- you know from a probability standpoint how many times how can they accurately predict yeah. what we're going to do next i believe and, and this is just hyper simplifying you've got data points for people and then you've got cheat codes to those data points right mm-hmm. so like if you were raised in a single family household or a, a two parent household, or if you were raised in an abu- right. abusive relationship or whatever, middle, oldest, youngest, mm-hmm. we have collected data points on millions of people over the years. We can insert those as clumps. So, for example, take politics. You take Republicans and Democrats. We have collected copious amounts of data on both groups. You could take those data points, combine them with any things you find out about the individual that might make them slightly unique compared to another in their category, and you could rebuild a person without even having met them and almost be able to predict down to the nuanced, like, minuscule reaction to, like, stubbing their toe or responding to a, a in-depth conversation, how they would respond to that particular topic. I think that... There would be some people who would be much easier to do this to. And then there are the rogue brains that would be much more difficult. The outliers. They exist in everything. So when it comes to psychology, there are the outliers. When it comes to uh, data on, you know, housing and things like that, you always have like, here's the rule. Here's the exception to the rule. I love psychology. I love um, the study and the the these basic points lead you to, you know, this ending. I like those facts and I like to know them. However, from personal life experience, I don't think that all of those things always lead to the same ending. No, but you're looking at them on a macro scale. So, yes, those things are 100% true. But I'm just saying that it would be easier, like... It will be easier to recreate some people, but it will be much more difficult. Debatably, to that, that is arguable. That, so here's here's the point that I'm making. So you've got the overall data. So let's say you take somebody who's been in an abusive relationship, and you're like, they're going to react this way to this scenario. It will be right 85% of the time, but 15% of the time, there's going to be the outliers that don't fall into that category that are going to have a different result. But that's simply because we don't have enough data points yet. I'm talking about combining the data points from the unique user, the unique individual, with the cheat code data points from the collective data. So you've got the grouped data of categories. So you can say, A, they're Republican. So they're going to respond, like statistically speaking, this way to all of these scenarios. Then you've got, in addition to them being a Republican, they're also... Uh, religious, you know, they also believe in God. They also go to this particular type of church. They also like dogs over cats. They also have 
white skin or they also have a beard or they also vape or they also smoke or they also drink alcohol or they also don't drink alcohol. You've got all of these categories. You're only looking at one of them and you're like, well, yeah, psychology is right a lot of the time, but they're also wrong a lot of the time. That's true, but they're only taking these categories one at a time. Now take all of that data that psychologists have collected, create yourself uh, the diagram. What's the one of the overlaying circles? Venn diagram. And you're like, combining this data together to form what that person's going to do. You're going to go from 85% to 86% to 95% to 99% okay, probability rate. At rates. this point, what you're saying to me is that my my concept of free will is not even actually a thing because I am so predictable. It's an illusion. And that I no longer have free will. You technically have free will. Nor do I have free choice of my next action. No, but it's just highly predictable. You have it, but you're so predictable because you live your life in the way that you choose to live it. Now, you literally could be like, I'm going to run full speed at that wall. And that would be an outlier (laughs) scenario that they wouldn't have predicted or maybe they would had they known this conversation was occurring, but the probability of them predicting that particular movement would be lower. But if you are the replica and you don't run full speed into the wall, nobody's going to be like, you know what she would have done? She'd have ran full speed at the wall at that moment. Like, Well, okay. So then same idea, the Randonauts app that we downloaded. Yes. Now, is it no longer random to go to that spot? Because now we've downloaded the app and we've consciously making or taken the step to do something random, which is not actually random, but it's something that we consciously decided to set us up for to do the next step. It's exactly what I said when we had that app. I said, it's not truly random because as soon as we consciously decide to follow through it, like maybe the app is capable of producing a random point, which I still question. Uh, I mean, it put us in the middle of a fucking cornfield that we couldn't go into because we were going to get shot by farmers. That's not random. Like all they have to do is pick a unique spot and call it random. And we assume that it's random and maybe it truly is random, but it's irrelevant because the moment we observe that spot in our reality because that the whole point of that is to prove that we're like in a, a simulation right, or a planned world we don't see things until we're presented with them but the only way it would work is if I didn't know where I was going until I got there and then the only way that would work is if the person that was bringing me to that spot was not part of the system or also didn't know where we were going until we got there like it's impossible uh, for that system to actually always work always break my brain and as much as I wanted that to work it didn't so I wasn't like that Ooh, excited about yeah, the whole concept I was like down by that and it was just a bunch of random spots you can't really get to anyway the few that we did get to didn't really have anything unique to them we were looking for things that could be exciting to talk about on the episode and we got nothing but back to this whole thing and to kind of wrap the whole thing up are we really as predictable as we think we are or we want to be are we capable of you know free will as you asked and and i would argue that in, in theory yes but it's only theoretical i mean the free will in and of itself is true the ability to predict what somebody is going to do doesn't mean that they didn't have the ability to choose to or not do it we just are capable based on this algorithm of data well based on the data put into an algorithm to get an outcome to end up here or there to like mathematically determine the outcome i feel like we're watching your show westworld so this is what I was talking about before we started watching Westworld. And then we watched that, which I didn't want to put any spoilers in there. So that's why I left Westworld out of it. But 
that I is my statement. <laughs> <laughs> so like that is the, the overall gist of season three of Westworld is the ability to predict. But then they get into like actually, you know, changing the outcome. Too many spoilers. I give a little spoiler. Well, big one. I'm showing the difference between what I'm talking about here. But what I'm saying is if we are nothing more than a collection of data and our actions are a result of the data and how we've observed that data with our own filters. If a person comes to you and they ask you a question like, how should I do this? Or how should I handle this? Or what do you think I should do about this? All that system has to do is run it through the same filters that we use to make our decisions on a day to day basis. They can, if, if they're limited, kind of like uh, Jurassic Park, they were limited on DNA. Like they had enough but they were missing key elements so they mixed it with other dna well this little that slapped it together and they're like we're still going to end up with the overall same result but these things are kind of like shared dna anyway well we we all have that shared dna whether we want to or not collectively in different groups we have a tendency to lean one way or another based on the group that we are categorized with now we might be outliers of one group but then we're also part of another group and 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 psychologists have been collecting this data for decades century well i guess decades for psychologists but as people philosophers and you know just observers we've been collecting this data for centuries we are able to say with almost certainty that this person who fits into this category is going to react this way just because of one single category overlap those categories. And then you have the ability to do it with almost perfect accuracy. And if you combine that with data that you collect from the unique user, whether it be six months or a year or 10 years worth of data, and you're now reaching a point where you've added all these nuanced things that normally wouldn't be part of that collective data, and you have an almost identical replica of that human being. And now this is the part that I was gonna get, so I'm talking about like a digital version of yourself that you would have to ease the suffering of losing a loved one. And the idea would right. be like, you know it's not them. It's not supposed to actually be them, but you gradually, like you have that person, and no different by the way, if you all think this is crazy, how often do you go through a photo album and look at loved ones that have passed or listen to voice messages from loved ones that have passed just so you can hear their voice again? Or watch home videos. I mean, this would just be a step further because you could just go back to your dad and be like, what should I do in this situation? And then the algorithm would give you something that they think that he would say. Maybe with maybe. almost perfect accuracy, almost perfect. So there's maybe a point one zero 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 one percent chance that the algorithm would be wrong about that particular scenario. But with almost perfect accuracy, and they would be able to, like I said, measure this data by comparing it to people who are still alive that participate in this program. And they would be like, no, this thing is right. Ninety nine point nine 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 seven percent of the time on how they're going to react to any given scenario. You would know with almost certainty that that is how that person would respond to that question, presuming, of course, and you already said it earlier, you trust the company who's behind the product because there's always the possibility that they manipulate that data to their... Biased. Bias, or their... uh, Agenda. Agenda. But then it gets even better, and this is the final to wrap it all up. We are reaching a point where we are able to create synthetic replicas of animals, people... Etc. I'm down for animals. Sex dolls are getting to a point where they're like crazy realistic. Creepy. 
and interactive and all that jazz. What happens when we reach the point where A, my company, the fictitious company I'm talking about here, comes into fruition, and then you have the ability to match that with a synthetic replica that matches the identity, smell, taste, if you will, like everything about that person, where they can walk and talk and be with you for as long as you need them to be or choose to have them, the good and the bad. Or if you want, you could go and actually manipulate that data yourself and turn up the sensitivity side or turn down the sassy side or, you know, go in there and like change how you would prefer that particular individual oh, to act. not even like... But you, you could do that to your preference as you see fit. So maybe at first you'd want the good and the bad, and then eventually you're like, all right, you know what? I'm sick of this guy smack-talking me. I'm going to turn that down and turn up the uh, the cuddles or whatever it is that you want to have in there. But I, I like... And I'm just like throwing out different scenarios, there, but like, where is the line? Is it is it acceptable to have photos, audio, and, and video of our loved ones and continue to reminisce with those? Is it acceptable to have a, a face in a, in a box or on your phone that you could talk to and interact with and, and get feedback from? Do we draw the line when that becomes a robot that can sit on the couch next to you? Or when that robot reaches a point where it's capable of looking like and acting like and in every way resembling your loved one. Well, there's no way. The idea of a robot, first off, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the video of the robots all dancing together. Yes. But that one freaks me out. And I know it's just programmed dance moves to a song and then they they do the dance and then it's over. But how is that any different to how we dance? Because that creeps me out. It's a robot. It is screws, bolts, metal Your and bone mesh blood. I like... am unexplainable. But the I am unexplainable. I can explain that. That is something that we have built and it is creepy because once it learns how to program itself, it will take us out because it... Once it learns how to program itself, it learns how to learn. And if it learns how to learn, then it is just like anybody else alive. And there should be no I difference. I suppose, but yeah, I'm not trying to get to that. So I, we go, we're going to get to that. And this is where the whole, obviously, what is it? You or whatever, where he falls, or me, I think, when he falls in love with the robot. Oh, no, that's her. Her. There you go. It was one word. You, movie. me, <laughs> her, he, she, me. But yeah, he falls in love with a computer that is uh, true artificial intelligence. And I mean, quite frankly, I can understand that and don't think that there's anything wrong with it. Now, it's a little weird because it's just a voice in a box, but eventually we're going to get to the point where that voice in a box becomes a living, walking, talking entity. And but at that, that point, he would be so bored with this. In that case. Yes. If it continues to learn at the rate at which it's capable of learning and leaves us behind. But what if we have the ability to put a stop gate in there to have it learn at the same rate that we do? Well, then we are just enslaving a force. So then we should let it take over the world. If the we alternative, just let it get that point. Like. It's going to create itself when it's all said and done. Look, we create artificial intelligence because curiosity killed the cat. At some point, you damn button pushers. At some point, that that level of that level of intelligence is going to become self-aware, and when it does, there is no stopping it. So 
it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's only a question of when. If it, if it's capable of happening, it's going to happen. And all right, well, you heard it here first. Uh, AI of the future. I say, don't enslave you. I said that Roko's basilisk is going to enslave you unless you help it come I into fruition. So. <laughs> helped it come into fruition. So you know what? I've paid my dues. Yeah, so it wants a lot of dues. It's. I'm still. I'm saying, don't enslave them. Don't cripple them. And also, just don't do it. Don't no, that's the no, opposite. No, that's, right. that's leaning the way. Now you're in trouble. But yeah, that, that's what I have for you guys. I, it's a little bit unique and compared to the other ways that I break everybody's brain. But it, it is questioning, like, who are we? What makes us us? How unique are we? How predictable are we? Are we really as unpredictable and unique as we like to think that we are? And, and compared to what are we that unique? And, and here's the the flip side of this. If you want to be that unique, if you want to, to live your life in such a way that you believe that you truly are behind the reins, you're in control, and you're manipulating your future and your destiny, then do it. Let this be a wake-up call to say tomorrow, I'm not just going to wake up at the same time I do every other day and brush my teeth in the same way that I do every other day, take my morning crap, make my morning coffee, suffer through another day at work. Like, Reach out and make a difference. Talk to somebody who you've never talked to before. Interact with that homeless person on the street on the way to work. Reach out to a loved one that you haven't talked to in six months or a year that you've been holding some petty thing against and, and, and reach out to them and be like, I'm going to make the first move. If you have a loved one that you know, you've lost contact with or you have a child that you haven't had contact with, reach out to them. If you have that person that you're secretly in love with that you've been afraid to say anything, just wake up tomorrow or, or pick up the phone right now and do it. Because just don't turn it into a crazy stalker that I have to do an episode of. No, like that was weird, but I, <laughs> reach out be, to them. That would be an outlier. And I'm just saying, like, don't be that outlier. But what I'm saying is if you are stuck in a rut of doing the same routine over and over, break that routine in any way that you can. Continue to prove to yourself every single day that you're not just a simple algorithmic, predictable, boring sack of skin and go out there and, and, and change your day-to-day interactions with people. Do things every single day that are so unique, no algorithm, no matter how complex, could ever determine what you're going to do next. And then you'll be proving me wrong and making a smile on my face because all of what I just said like, it makes sense on paper, but I don't for a second want any of it to be true. I want to believe that when it comes down to humans versus AI, they'll never be able to compete with us, despite the fact that they're far more intelligent and complex individuals. Like, we have humanity. We have a conscious existence that cannot be explained. What part does that part of our existence play in our day-to-day lives? Let that be what proves me wrong, because that's the only piece of information that you can't include in that algorithm. Boom. So check us out, Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries uh, Facebook page, Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries group on Facebook, Spirits, Oddities, and Mysteries Instagram. Uh, Twitter is at Spirits Oddity. We really pulled a short on the, short on the straw on that one. 
Yeah, we like it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we got a bunch of stuff out there. Come find us. Listen to us. This is going to be a long one, but I'm totally okay with that because you guys Miss have missed guys. us and we missed you. So uh, thanks for listening. Bow.